0: Greetings, everybody. It's Pastor Thomas Boer here, and I wanted to do this video on basically thinking about Christ and his lordship or his rule, his power, his authority uh, to better help us understand marriage. Um, I am... Uh, you probably know this if you ever record on Facebook, but you now have to, at least on my phone, you have to record in the sort of vertical orientation of the phone. So I literally have this phone hanging on my desktop screen here, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But the key passage to look at is Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 and the following. And the reason that we're going to go there, of course, is because this talks about marriage. But it talks about marriage in terms of Christ and the church. And what I want everybody to recognize, and I hope that this will be something that you see extends to everything, um, basically recognizing that Christ is, in fact, sovereign and Lord and makes demands of us in love and righteousness and holiness and so on and that the husband as representing christ and to be like christ um, as a man is to reflect that in the marriage in particular so let me read ephesians 5 uh, verses 22 and following wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is head of the wife as also christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything so think about just those few verses so far uh the wives are addressed and that is perhaps a difficulty given what they have to do, what they're called to do, uh, to submit to their husbands in everything as unto Christ. This is an all or nothing proposition. This is just as you receive Christ as your Lord and savior. Analogously, when a woman submits to a man in marriage, she is coming to that man, her husband, as Lord and Savior, in a sense. And of course, I'm going to clarify what that means here. But it should be put that way because the Bible puts it this way. And because the relationship does manifest in that way. It is meant to be in these terms. And so, notice it begins. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, what does the church... Teach on this today. Does the church teach submission uh, to anything or to anyone? Hardly, right? Uh, even to Christ, it's like, well, Christ is hardly a lord today, and so you know we don't want to tell anybody, <clears throat> you know, submit. That sounds like a bad word. So we're just going to say, you know, once you choose Jesus, once you follow Jesus, once you, you know, Jesus just loves you so much and just really wants you to you know, have a flourishing life, a good life, et cetera, et cetera. Is that what scripture actually says? Is that actually how God is? Is that what Christ actually did when he was turning over, you know, money changers table and in the, in, in the temple and pronouncing woes and anathemas and saying, anybody who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Obviously that is not the Christ of the scripture. And the church today is presenting a weak Christ, a Christ who is not really Lord and also really isn't Savior, but is beggar and weak. And a lot of people want that because that's a Jesus they can get along with. That's a Jesus they can, whether they realize it or not, kind of manipulate and control. And so you have all this um, misunderstanding, you have all this watering down and weakening of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and therefore when you come to marriage there is no understanding there is no uh, framework in which many will even preach this let alone a husband and wife seek to live this out Where, you know in other words a husband's not even gonna expect or demand or rule in his house and over his wife and children because inherently the belief is that that's somehow bad. Why? Because we've said for God, really, to rule in power and authority is somehow bad, somehow wrong. And so then to say that God rules, Christ rules, and then that a man uh, should rule similarly, and that a wife should submit to a man even as she submits to Christ in everything. Well, that's just, that's just too much for people, even Christians. Uh And so, we see how important this is. Let me read these verses one more time. <clears throat> Ephesians five twenty-two and following: Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So again. The wife is, in comparison, in the place here of the church. The husband is in the place of Christ, and so when you think of the relationship between Christ and the church, you should understand the relationship in the marriage of the husband and the wife. Right? The church does not have the authority. Christ alone has the authority. Um, the church is in submission to Christ in everything. Christ is to rule them in everything for their, for their good and for his glory. Um, Similarly, a husband is to rule over his family and everything for their good, and it is a glory to him, of course, by God's grace when he does well, and the wife and children are flourishing, and so on. Now there's, of course, duties, as you know, to the husbands in terms of being like Christ to their family also, verse 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So think about that. It's husbands now are being said to be like Christ, but that doesn't mean they get to walk around puffing their chest out and saying, look at me, I'm like Christ to you. I'm like your Lord. But it says the way in which Christ in his power and in his authority does love and serve and build up his people, build up his church. So husbands are to do likewise. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Right? Christ gave himself, not in weakness, but in strength. He laid down his life willingly to be a payment for sin, so that all who come to faith in him, all that he brings to faith by his sovereign grace, are saved and redeemed. And it goes on in verse 26, that Christ might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And it says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And it goes on from there, but just to look at those few verses for a moment. Husbands are to lead their wives, as Christ leads, in the capacity of sacrificial giving. Um, But, to be clear, in that sacrificial serving and leading, it does not place the wife or the woman in the position of authority. Just as when Christ laid down his life for the church, in love for the church, his bride, the church, as scripture calls it, That did not put the church or the bride in the place of authority or power, as if they can tell Jesus, serve me like this, serve me like that, lay down your life for me like this or that. No, as we already stated and as we know from Scripture, I trust that Christ continues to call us to faith and repentance and to follow him and to take up our crosses and to serve him. In fact, the verses here say this, that Christ is presenting to himself, his own church, in pure, spotless righteousness, and holiness, and goodness. You know, love for God, love for one another. Ultimately, in perfection, a glorious church. And so then it says husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, right? The other analogy in scripture uh, of the church is that uh, Christ is the head and the, the church is the body. <clears throat> so, likewise, the two become one flesh in marriage. The husband is the head of that relationship there but for the good of the body. And when you love your own body, you love yourself. When you love your wife, you are loving yourself as one flesh. When Christ loves the church, in a real sense, he's loving uh, himself, not because we literally become Christ, but because we are in this union, this saving, you could say, marital union uh, with Christ. Uh, if we are redeemed through him, if we've come to him in repentance and faith, if we've submitted to his lordship. And that's why it's important to understand the lordship, of christ if you don't understand that you can't truly submit to him for your salvation much less can you understand the purpose of marriage and the man and the woman the husband and wife in marriage and even more fundamentally really we won't understand even what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman made in god's image either male and female and that's where we're at today in our nations in our culture and oftentimes in our churches you know why is the transgender movement so popular Why do we have, uh, you know, homosexuality and all these different things? Well, a lot of it has to do with not knowing what we were made for, what we are made as in capacity of male and female, man and woman, and the good of that and the ultimate, um, manifestation of that, we could say, in the picture of Christ and the church and that bond and that relationship. So these things are exceedingly important. And why are marriages failing? Why do even Christian churches and, and marriages so often end in divorce or splits and divisions? Well, it has a lot to do with this. It has a lot to do with not understanding the true lordship of Christ, his sovereignty, his rule, how it is righteous and good, um, rather than ruling uh, in maliciousness or ruling uh, to the harm of the church, and so on, because that, of course, is what's usually trotted out as well when 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 pastors or elders or churches rule, and they, you know, rule with a rod of iron. <laughs> they're not Christ, right? They're sinners, and so they end up ruling poorly, and it is true. It's a difficult thing, right? It should be, in many ways, far easier uh, for a wife to submit to the Lord, Jesus, than to submit to, you could say, her marital Lord uh, on earth, her husband, because her husband is a sinner, not perfect, even if he's a true Christian that truly loves her. But Christ is the perfect man, uh, the sinless God man. And so nobody is going to sit here if they're sane and say that it's easy for, uh, a wife to submit to her husband or that it's easy for a man to have this, this awe inspiring, um, awesome duty to be like Christ in his position of rule and lordship and love and savior, washing his wife, um, that, that that's not something that's incredibly difficult and challenging as well. And so when we look at these two things and we put it all together, we see that everything could be fixed in our own personal lives, in our marriages if we are married or if we're seeking to be married, with our children flowing out from this marital union, in our society, in our government, in everything, If we would just believe what God's Word says, rather than softening it and trying to mold God into our own imaginations where God is not so awesome in power and glory because we think that's safer. Well, it might be safer, but it's not better. Let God be God and delight in Him, and you will have tremendous blessing in your life. And so... It goes on verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. That is his love, his cherishing of his people, his bride, his church. Likewise, husbands should so, should so cherish their wives. Uh, it says, For we are members of his body, of Christ's body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. nevertheless, let each of you, one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. right So think about all of that uh, that we've just been reading through here. We're supposed to love one another, but it's not what's sometimes you know referred to as egalitarian, love, as if the man and woman are just interchangeable parts. Or the sort of complementarian view that says, well, they complement one another, man and woman, but the differences between man and woman do, don't really go down to the level of our natures or our image bearing as male and female, but it's simply, you know, you might hear the phrase gender roles. Now, in some ways, that's an okay phrase, so long as we understand that we're not simply role-playing, well, I will play the man and you will play the woman, Uh, (laughs) but that we actually are men and women made in God's image, which do complement one another, but also have distinct uh, differences that are good by God's design. It is good for men to be made as men. It is good for women to be made as women. It is good for men to be like Christ and loving and ruling and serving uh, their wives and their families and in society as well. It is good for wives to submit to their husbands and to be helpmeets and homemakers and taking care of the children and nourishing them and so on and so forth. It is good for these things. This is not a defect. This is not uh, a lordship that man is to exercise uh, over his wife in hostility, but in cherishing her as his own flesh. It is good when men are committed to one woman uh, to give their lives, to pour out their energy and their work and their labors and their teaching in uh, their caring for the wife and children. It is good when the life is dedicated, is, is yoked, is together, one flesh with her husband, her earthly head, uh, submitting in love uh, to her husband in all that he does when he is, of course, ruling according to God's word. For service, for faithfulness, to both as a glorifying God who commands this in Scripture, as we see in Ephesians 5, but to beautify the home, to uh, nourish the children. Uh, who has a greater impact on children in their most formative and tender years but the mother? But how can the mother nourish what well, should be natural? It's natural in nature. It should be natural uh, to us. Uh, how can the children be nourished by their mothers if the if the mother is not wanting to do that, or is being required to go out in the workplace, uh, or just simply does understand how to nourish her children well? So, you see the importance of this. You see that these are not trifling minor matters but of supreme importance. I mean, what is more important than how Christ loves the church and how the church is to submit to Christ? Well, therefore, what is more important than marriage? What is more important than husbands lovingly leading their wives as Christ leads and loves the church and the wife submitting to her husbands in everything, Scripture says, as the church submits to Christ in everything? Now, again, there's always the bad situations where uh, a man claiming to be a Christian, or perhaps, of course, is a true Christian, but is still a sinner, is not leading well or is leading in error. Well, how does the wife work through that or deal with that? Well, she can't ultimately deal with it by becoming striving to become the authority. That is not her position or her place, but it doesn't mean... Uh, that she can't voice her concerns, her appeals, or reach out for help from from others, from whether it's her church or whether it's, you know, other trusted friends or whatever the case may be. Ultimately, though, in that marriage, the man has to lead. The man has to lead in righteousness and love, and the wife ultimately has to submit in love. And what if the man says, my wife just will not submit to me. She just will not, um, you know, I'm striving and I'm a sinner. I'm no not perfect, but she will not... um She just pushes against everything I'm saying. She doesn't show any love for me. She doesn't show any um, belief that she has at any level that she's under my authority and care for her good. You know, how do I deal with that? Well, we could go back and say, that's why this is so important to have this understood at the outset. uh, When you enter into the marriage, if you're entering into the marriage as well, we're, we are, you know, co-equal partners in a 50, 50 relationship and, you know, neither has more authority than the other. And it's, it's just a, you know, a coin flip tiebreaker authority when we just can't agree or something like that. Um, we're fundamentally misunderstanding, uh, the actual design of God as man and woman, male and female and Christ in the church, right? Is, is Christ's authority 50 50 with the church, except when, you know, you're at loggerheads and you just don't, you just can't agree. And then somehow, Jesus speaks from the clouds of heaven and says, well, actually, let's do it this way, guys. Obviously not. Um, Christ has 100% authority. Now, he does mediate that authority uh, through those whom he has chosen, you know, pastors, elders, and so on, and then in the home to the Father. But it's still Christ's rule coming through the fathers and the, you know, even your civil magistrates or even your bosses at work. Um, whether they recognize it or not, are Christians or not, in some ways are placed there by God in authority and will be held accountable on judgment day based on how they have ruled and led those under them well. So, but keeping this closer here to marriage and the, the family, flowing right out of this relationship, you go on to the very next verses now in Ephesians chapter six. So we just talked and saw the picture of Christ in the church, man and woman, husband and wife. And then it says children Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And so you have the duties of children to obey their parents in the Lord, as wise well as to submit to their husbands and everything. Of course, back of that is in the Lord. If your husband tells you to do something sinful, you don't do that, obviously. But the scope of the authority of the husband when he's ruling righteously and covers all aspects, and so children likewise are to submit to their parents and the Lord in all aspects. For this is right. And notice, it's not just the father here; it's parents. The wife also has authority uh, over her children, under her husband. Yes, but true authority, and she has to make. You know, the husband can't, shouldn't micromanage every little thing. There's a uh, a relationship that's there. Both are in positions of authority, uh, the husband and the wife over the children, with the husband as the highest position in the home there, in the authority. But notice that if the husband and wife are not picturing Christ and the church well, and their marriage and their relationship, it's going to be all the more difficult for the children to obey their parents in the Lord. After all, how, in other words, how would the parents then be themselves in the Lord or manifesting the righteous rule of Christ, the lordship of Christ, if they're just living in sin and their own marriages are in shambles or they're divorced or they're just, it's evident that there's not much love there or they're not in a good, you know, structure or place, right? Children are incredibly influenced by God's good design by their upbringing. And it is so sad and such a tragedy that so many families, so many children you know, don't know both their parents or didn't grow up with both their parents. I was blessed by God's exceedingly, exceeding grace to have my parents, my, my father and mother, both Christians loving one another. And though my parents certainly were not perfect, they were married. They loved God. They took me to church. They taught me about Christ and I'm all the better for it by God's grace. Well, the opposite is also true when marriages are in shambles or not there intact at all. And, you know, God is not in view, or God is in view, and, and they do go to church, but it's a it's a high-handed hypocrisy that the children begin to see more and more as they get older. Well, my parents say they love Jesus, and they that we go to church, but look at how my dad treats my mom, or look how stubborn my mom is against dad's authority. How do you think the children are going to then submit to Christ as Lord and Savior when this is what they've seen out of their own parents, the first realm of absolute authority over them? And so we're, there is going to be no reformation, no revival, no recovery of our families until we recover the household. And really until sort of a chicken and egg thing, right? How are we going to recover the household if we don't recover the families or, or sorry, the, the churches and how we're going to recover the churches if we don't recover the households, the families, they, they go together. Now, you talk about qualifications in the Bible for the pastor, and it says he must rule his own household well. So here's the good news. When the church is in shambles, as I would say it is today, by and large, in our nation and in other places too, the good news is that what is the church? It is a gathering of Christian households and families coming together in a covenant vow, bond, ultimately to Christ, their head, but coming together as the body of Christ in a local church, you know, with membership vows, you know, being baptized into the local church and all that. That's how churches are meant to be. I know today a lot of churches don't even have membership vows or, you know, it's we're really in a in a bad way, in a bad place, but I don't want to jump off too far on that right now. The point is, if you begin to see I need to be if you're a man a faithful husband in my marriage a faithful father and I see that I am supposed to be like Christ here and I should not abdicate that authority but I may have to say look I've led my family wrong for you know years well you got to begin on your knees to God and your knees to your family repenting and confessing but then you got to take up that authority that you're called to take up um you can't you got to confess you got to repent you got to show your family that you're serious you got to do that You can't just all of a sudden wake up and say, I'm going to be authoritative now. You got to own your sin, um, but then you got to do it and you can't, you know, you have to bear up with the sins you've committed and, you know, failing to lead for a long time to your wife and children, but ultimately, and you have to help her, your wife and children understand this too, that I am the authority and I am going to do my job now. And I am sorry, but you must in love and obedience to Christ, obedience to God Submit to my authority that I'm taking up now. And you should get help from other godly families, other godly fathers and husbands. And hopefully you have a faithful church, you know, pastor and elders, but they should be helping you along the way here. And if they haven't been, well, either you've kept this from them or or they've been blind and should have seen this sooner. But regardless, you got to get all these things in place. Wives, if you've had a godly husband by God's kindness and have not submitted to them well and have just been stubborn and kicking against them, you gotta repent of that. You gotta confess that. And then you gotta say, I'm going to be what scripture says to be, to have a gentle and quiet spirit, to love my husband, to submit to him as Christ, as the church submits to Christ, um, to, to glorify my husband and to show, uh, that he, we want to be led, uh, the wives want to be led by him and to, uh, be a helpmate to my husband, right? Be a helpmate to, um uh, helping him in his calling and his duty as we work together uh, for the Lord here in this marriage. And to, if you have children, teach and nourish them. Children, if you've not been submitting uh, to your parents and the Lord, even if your parents have not been parenting perfectly there too, you must see what scripture commands here in Ephesians 6, uh, echoing the fifth commandment to honor your father, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right and honor your father and mother and see the promises that are attached there, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That wasn't a promise just to the Israelite or Jewish children. It's to all Christians, all in the New Covenant, uh, which includes believers and their children. And that goes into a whole other issue, right, of who belongs to the church. Is it just believers or is it believers and their children? And I'm a Presbyterian, a Reformed Presbyterian, so you probably understand how I'm going to answer that. And that's a whole other ball of wax, too. But frankly, if you begin to see the Lordship of Christ, that he's so gracious to covenant with families, and you understand that, you know covenant inclusion and part of the church being brought into the church formally is through baptism, then you can begin to understand why believers and their house, household, uh, children are to be baptized, not a sign of magically saving them, but as in this relationship to Christ, the structure, Christ, the church, husband, wife, children as well, called to repent and follow Christ and serve him in the good design that he has given. It even addresses bond servants or slaves in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 5, "...to be obedient to the masters, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not by service as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free." And then it says, "...and you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him." Now, um, obviously, the slave-master relationship in our nation is not a thing anymore, and um, again, it's a whole other matter there. Obviously, transatlantic slave trade is wicked and immoral. Uh, We can relate this today maybe more so to an employer-employee relationship or something like that, but regardless, we see at every level here, there is authority and there is submission, and it's a feature, not a bug of the design of God for mankind at every level, not just in the home, but in the workplace, including the slave and master relationship. Now you could say the slave relationship at that time would have been more home centric if it's like a domestic servant situation and the masters to treat them well. Uh, but we know in the civil realm, the magistrates are to also rule according to God's law also. So I don't want to ramble on too much here, but, we really have to understand these things, and if you begin to see them, um, then you can begin to reorient your life. And there's a lot of good resources out there, uh, you know, books. Of course, the most important thing is to find a good church, but there's a great challenge to that today. I, I realize. Um, I could try to point you to some good churches, perhaps, but again, I don't. I, I don't know a lot of churches. I've recommended churches before, and thought, you know. This probably would be good, and maybe it turns out well. Sometimes maybe it doesn't. You have to do that work as well to find that and find good resources. But if you look around and you say, "Well, I'm I'm tied to my workplace here. I you know, I can't just up and leave. You know, at least not instantly. And you know, our families here in this community, um, we don't want to leave." Well, what do you do in that situation? Well, a lot of people who are, are families that are striving more and more to rule according to to live and, and serve and, and have their marriages according to God's word and will, they begin with that, but then they stop short of seeking a healthy church, or they just say, well, this is the healthiest one I can find. It's, yeah, it's not great, and a lot of the marriages are messed up here, and the the pastor, you know, maybe his marriage isn't so great, and you have questions, and you have concerns, and there's there's no way to really make lasting change here. What do you do? Well, if you truly can't change that situation, there's truly not any other churches to go to. And there's truly, it's truly not a good idea to leave perhaps, or you start a church. (laughs) Now I want to be very cautious when I say that, um, you know, I don't mean needlessly, you know, divide a church. Although again, if it's an unhealthy church and you try to work through that process, out of love for fellows in that church, you may have to say, look, here's the concerns they have. Here's what's going on. Here's why, you know, we're departing and looking to form um, a church more f- well founded on the word of God. And if you have other families that realize the same things and do that, I think sometimes you have to be willing to make that, that bold step. Um, now that doesn't mean that you should operate, um, you know as if you all you and your little household or you and your few families are the sudden authority on all things no we you should desire to have an ordained man minister of the word of god become the pastor there but you obviously you can't have that overnight um so you separate you form you start meeting together and then you if, if there's not a man to lead to become a pastor and ordained among you Uh, then you reach out to faithful churches, denominations, etc. for that. Um, So the point is, you don't have to have a whole church with powers in place, the powers that be, um, be transformed in order to have healthy churches. You just need to leave these garbage churches that are out there. Now, again, I, I think starting a new church should be something of a last resort. In other words, if there is a faithful church you can find in the area, go to it. Um, if there's means to reform the church you're at, strive to do that. If the church you're at is a faithful church, but like every church, just like every husband, is sinful and imperfect, um, you know, don't be hypercritical. Uh, this all takes judgment and discernment. But I know there's real needs for new churches, faithful churches today, because there's compromise and unfaithful churches or even outright false churches and they're not interested in giving up their power. They're not interested in giving up their mid-level, you know, multi-level marketing schemes that they have in order to, you know, instead of minister to you, pump you out now as another arm of their, you know, if, if they're well-meaning, they would say evangelizing, but really is bringing more people in to have more action, more money, more funds, more this, that, and the other. And again, even when it's well-intended, where is the teaching on Christ and the church? Where is the teaching on marriage and family? Where is the, where is the fruit? Right? Where is the fruit of, of holiness? Where is, where is it seen that, the, that Christ is washing you in these churches uh, with his word to present them holy and spotless? That's, that is what God is after. God is after our hearts, our holiness, our faithfulness to him. In true knowledge, according to his word, the full counsel of God's word, living that out, loving it from the heart, doing it in every capacity that he puts us in, in our marriages as man and woman, children, workplace, church, everything in between. Those structures, those strictures, when they're in place, when they're properly being done, when we're when we're making these righteous under, distinctions according to God's word, when we're doing it within a, a relatively healthy church with healthy families, The Lord, wow, He's already blessing when that's the case, and we're going to see a lot of blessing and joy in our land and our nation at that point. Um, but we won't get there if we don't begin to pursue that. Um, if we're stuck, uh, under bad authority, whether it's in the home or whether it's in our churches or, you know, workplace, whatever the case may be, and we're not seeking to do anything about it, or if we're not leading well in places of authority to flip it around now to the man of the marriage, to the, pastor in the church to the boss in the workplace or whatever, uh, if we're not seeking to improve that or to require, um, submission out of love to them, you know, Hey children, you're not obeying me, but I'm just going to let that slide because it's too much work. No, be faithful in your leadership. Be faithful in your submission. Uh, pray about matters, use discernment. And when you need to start new things, go to new things. Um, for me personally, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, You know years ago, I began to see some of these things from scripture by God's grace, you know, just others God brought it in my life to help me see this and show me this, otherwise you know how fully would I have understood this? I mean, I had a good upbringing by my parents, but others helped me further along every step of the way and now I by God's grace as a minister uh of the gospel uh as a pastor seek to pass this along to others as well um and so you know I knew. Oh, what, 12 years ago, looking to be married, and been married for over eleven years now. Wow, it's hard to believe. Um, <laughs> that, you know, here's what I'm called to do. And now I didn't have a perfect understanding, still don't have a perfect understanding, but I knew, okay, I'm supposed to lead in love. My wife, my children, as the Lord blesses with children. And this is like the richest blessing, human blessing, earthly blessing that the Lord talks about. The pictures of Christ in the church. I need a wife who is truly godly according to a f- the, the nature that she's made in as a woman, uh, the feminine nature. That she needs to be feminine, not a feminist. <laughs> that she needs to be living in a gentle, with a gentle and quiet spirit and wanting to be led by a man, right? Don't marry a woman who doesn't want to be led. Um, even if you think you can, you know, you're, you're going to lead well, why enter into a marriage when a woman is basically sinning against her nature? And, and, and ladies, Don't marry a man who doesn't want to lead, who wants you to lead him or basically be his, you know, new mom or whatever. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, And if you're in that situation, work through it. You got to at this point, right? You got to, you're not, you know, divorce is not really an option unless there's adultery or, um, you know, flagrant sin, neglect going on like that. So um, we have to work through these things and Uh, By God's grace, he's blessed me with a wonderful wife, uh, who, when I met her, by God's kindness, already had much of a gentle and quiet spirit, who wanted to be married, who wanted to have children, who wanted to be a helpmeet and a homemaker. And you know, neither one of us obviously knew a lot, didn't have any lived experience, obviously, in this, and were green around the gills, as it were. But she, by God's grace, saw in me that I wanted to lead. I had a purpose and a plan, didn't have much money, didn't have much, except here's what my goals are, Uh, (laughs) still as a Bible college student, still going to have to go through seminary, and it ultimately took seven years to complete seminary, Uh, (laughs) and then, what, eight or nine years before I was finally ordained as a minister, and a lot of moving, a lot of difficulties along the way, but also God has blessed us in 10, now 11 years of marriage with seven wonderful children. The oldest is 10. And it's been busy, but it's been a great blessing. And we got to continue to push forward and strive in our marriages and in our homes and in our churches. And then, yeah, by God's grace, coming up on, what, three years ago now, I guess, um, we formed a church here in Sanford, North Carolina, uh, where I grew up, And the uh, little Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church denomination, which I'm ordained in, and how I came to this little denomination, leaving the PCA Uh, Is a whole other story in itself. Uh, But again, the Lord has blessed every step of the way through ups and downs. And the blessings that God has given to me and to others in our church and to others that I know of, I want that for every Christian. I want that for every person to repent and believe in Christ and then live according to his will and the norm is marriage. The norm is children, as the Lord blesses. The norm is being fruitful and faithful, for, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it in your families, in your homes, in your works, in your colleagues. I mean, when you think about marriage, husband-wife, children-relationship, and then for men, your work and job outside of the home, and wives, your work in the home? That's the vast majority of your time on earth is spent in those things. And connected and, and, and leavening all of that is the church. Um, your 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 church bond, your church friendship and family and relationships that are there. And so we have all of that coalescing and coming together in a healthy society, in a healthy church, and a healthy family. But so rarely do we have that today in our nation, our country, in our land. So that's gotta change. It's gotta change. And there's not an easy quick fix. This is a lot tougher sale than just saying, you know, well just go and You know, repent and believe and and trust in Jesus and then go on with your lives. Well, yes, you need to a lot of churches aren't even saying to repent and believe anymore. It's just, you know, Jesus wants to give you a wonderful plan for your life and enhance your life, and which really means almost, you know, dull your sense of your your sin and not actually show you the path that leads to true life and and joy in the Lord and his will and his righteousness and so on. So there's a long path that has to be seen and taken before us. But it's a good path. It's a glorious path. And when you begin to see these things in Ephesians 5, the goodness of being made in the image of male and female, the goodness of being a man as Christ leaves the church, the goodness of being a woman in the church's pure and spotless devotion to Christ, right? Both are glorious. The church in glory will be presented as glorious. And so, Whether you are called, whether you're a man called to leadership or a wife called to service and love in the family, and the home, both are glorious. Both are good. And all of us, as the people of God, are called to submit to God, our Heavenly Father. And so, you know, there's authority and there's submission everywhere. The question is, is it going to be righteous and good authority or bad and illicit authority or abdicating authority? That's really the only question. The, the the egalitarian leveling out, flattening out of everything leads to what? It leads to madness, to chaos, to wickedness, to sorrow. We're sinning against our own natures, right? Look at, again, <laughs> the drag queen insanity that uh, even here in Sanford has been going on and, you know, dancing around and reading transgender books to children, uh, drag story hour right here in Sanford, North Carolina. Um, you know, who would have thought that even five, ten years ago, probably, uh, that we have garbage like that going on. Well, how, how do you get there? How do you get to a place like this? You get to a wicked place like this by long ago, forgetting the Lordship of Christ over all things for good, not preaching and teaching that, not living that out, presenting only this gentle, meek and mild, passive, effeminate Jesus. And so then the whole culture is feminized. And then that that um, weakness becomes weaponized, right? Victim culture, victimhood culture becomes the weapon that now is the tyranny. We have woke tyranny. We have tyranny ruling in terms of weakness. It's, it's a really twisted, perverse thing, right? How dare you tell me that, you know, I'm not a man trapped in a woman's body or whatever the case may be. How, how dare you not use my preferred pronouns. Well, how did you get there? You got there because in the home, husbands didn't lead and love well, wives didn't submit and love well, pastors and churches didn't lead and love well, members of the church didn't submit and love well. Everywhere just break down, break down, break down and it's now twisted and turned into this complete ugly um, gargoyle of a, of a society that we live in. And yeah, I mean, hopefully everybody's starting to hit rock bottom and starting to turn back and say, what have I done with my life? Where have I gone? You know, I must turn back to to truth, to goodness, to God, to the true God of Scripture, uh, not the flim-flam that is being presented. And when you see that God is a rock, when you see that the Lord Jesus Christ indeed is Lord and makes hard demands of us, but he does it in love. He does it for our good. He does it so as to chisel us, as it were, to sculpt us into his image again, and that being in his image is to be glorious, to be full of joy and satisfaction. Well, then we say, Lord, yes, mold me, shape me, renew me, in your image according to your word. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to have to require overcoming sin and death and the devil, but you give me your strength. You give me your word, and I can do it all in the complete confidence of the forgiveness of all of my sins through Christ paying for my sins. Well, then we can pursue this in this being sanctified by Christ process in our homes, in our families, everywhere, in our churches with joy because I'm already forgiven, right? I'm not a Roman Catholic. I'm not having to do all this in order to get into heaven in order to get saved i do this because i am saved and christ is loving me and he is washing me with the water by the word to present me spotless on the last day in glory forever and uh so this is the path that christ has called us to walk as man as woman man and woman male and female uh the picture of christ in the church here in the home Um, we must recover this and uh again these are all the reasons why we formed, uh, several years ago, Heritage Reform Presbyterian Church here in Sanford, North Carolina. Seeing all these needs and these issues and a lot of churches that simply aren't teaching this uh, and living, striving to live this out, uh, we wanted to form that. And so we're a smaller church, but we have a good number of large families in this small church. Uh, we have several older couples as well. Uh, and by God's grace, you know we're, we're growing steady but surely. And uh, we'd like to see others come and join and worship and be uh, put on this glorious path of righteousness, of the full counsel of God's word. We're not looking. I'm not looking as a minister and pastor to lie to you, to rob you of the fullness of God's word. And if some people come and say, well, you know, that pastor, that church, those elders, that congregation, they're just too severe. They're too uptight about um, all that God says and about the rule and lordship of Christ and you know authority and submission and all these sorts of things I just you know that's overbearing that's overwhelming We're not gonna stop preaching what's good for you in these things according to God's Word Um, We would urge you to come and see and, and 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 see that we do this out of love that we are preaching and teaching this because it's what God's Word says and Look at our families. I I can look at virtually, I would say, most, every member of our church, every family in our church. You know, I have seven kids, another family has six kids, another family has five kids, another family has a couple older boys and a a younger one as well. Uh, Another family has one young kid with another on the way in their early 20s. Uh, I can look at each of these families and say, as a model, imperfect and sinful, but look at them and say, look at the joy. Between the husband and wife, look at the joy then all these young children. um, You know, that we have, what, between three families, 18 children, ages 10 and under. (laughs) Um, And people are like, what? You know, who has five, six, seven children now? Well, these families do. Why do you have that? Well, because we've learned by God's grace some things from his word and the joy that is there. Now, even when you find that, sometimes God doesn't open the womb or quickly grant, you know, a healthy marriage. Or if you're single... Um, quickly grant marriage at all. And we have to pray and strive for those things as well. And there's, of course, rare exceptions where somebody uh, may not be called to marriage, but that is the extreme exception and not the rule. Um, But come and worship with us. Come and see by God's grace uh, the joy that we have together in God's word. And don't be overwhelmed. Um, We want to help others. We want to love others and help them have these blessings in Christ as well to please Him, to serve Him, to glorify Him, uh, and to do all these things for Christ. So um, we meet at Swan Station Baptist Church's Fellowship Hall. We meet at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Uh, It's actually two different worship services. I preach two different sermons. It's not a repeat. And uh, in between those two services, we have a a fellowship time uh, and snacks, you know, bagels, coffee, and things like that. And uh, it works well. There's a playground there for the kids. And um, on Tuesdays, every other Tuesday, we meet uh, in my home as well for fellowship and dinner. And uh, we sing some hymns and psalms and talk about things in the sermon or other questions that people may have. We take prayer requests and things like that, too. And uh, we're always looking to grow. I mean, the things that we do. I mean, we've had men's Bible studies before in town at Chick-fil-A and other places. If there's interest among men to do that again in town, I'd be glad to do it. Uh, you know, we've, we've done various things like that as well. So again, this is an invitation if you're in the area to come and worship at our church. It's, a, it's a, an encouragement to be faithful in your marriages, to reform your marriage according to God's word, to see what you're made in as male and female in God's image. And if there, if you're living elsewhere and if you're not in a healthy church, to find a way to be part of one, whether it's seeing, reforming that church, finding a better church, or forming a faithful church. These are necessary steps, all of this, and if you do these things, strive for these things according to God's word in a community of faith, a faithful community, you'll be blessed in your life, you'll have joy in your life, and you'll do a lot of great good for society and our nation as well. And uh, this is what I pray for and desire. I hope you've enjoyed this video. Uh, This is Pastor Thomas Boer of Heritage Reform Presbyterian Church. Thanks and God bless.